Hello and welcome to Ocean Waves. Can you hear me? And uh, we will get to that point in a moment. But first, let me bring in um, our two guests. We've got Jack Hedge, who is the executive director of the Utah Inland Port Authority, and Andrew Scott, and he is the CEO of Keychain. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. And for my audience, they probably sound a little familiar. And the reason why is back in August, they inked up a, a public-private partnership, if you will, in terms of solutions to help uh, free the flow of trade that we all know desperately needs to be filled uh, and freed. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. And for those who are not aware of this, uh, of this partnership, why don't uh, you kind of tell the audience now a little bit? Sure, Lorianne. Thank you for uh, thank you for having us today, and, and we appreciate this opportunity. Uh, the, the the relationship between uh, uh, Utah Island Port Authority and Keychain is really one about trying to look at, at look for solutions uh, solutions to the current environment that we're that we're all in and struggling through today, but also thinking about the future and the future of of, of, of trade and logistics and goods movement in North America. So this partnership is really around creating uh, a technological solution. Uh, a, a utility, if you will, a, a platform for for shippers and, and and BCOs and carriers to be able to to sort of trace the their, their movement of goods, uh, know where their know where their stuff is uh, at any given time as it comes through the, the the port authorities area. And Andrew, tell us about the technology. Well, the the story for us actually really begins in Los Angeles, where Jack and I first met at the port of LA. Um, and one of the challenges that we saw there was that new technology was really difficult to implement um, because of a lack of connectivity. So you can't put in IoT or AI solutions if there's no way to transmit that data back. And the challenges for trucking companies and terminal operators and rail operators, BCOs, the whole ecosystem in the supply chain is about communication. And now with the rise of e-commerce, the speed of communication is more critical. So what we saw was that we needed to look at technology at it from an infrastructure standpoint, rather than a simplistic single solution or app solving one problem. So what our partnership in Utah is, is building digital infrastructure that the port and government is supporting, but it's for the use of all of the stakeholders within the supply chain. So it's a it's a different approach. Um, it, it is a part. It's a an approach that is a partnership driven one. Um, we tend to be um, in the supply chain industry tend not always to work well together. So this is more of a technology led uh, approach where we we work together. No one's excluded and everyone's included. And Jack and, and the Utah Inland Port are leading that. Exactly. And, you know, traceability is so important because you really need to have that line of sight. And, you know, we, we've, he, we've heard for years about transportation bills and infrastructure and really having, um, building that out, having a strong infrastructure. But when it comes to the flow of trade and, uh, you know, and what I wrote about in my American Shipper column, uh, where we really dive in depth with our conversation um, from from here, the point of origin are the is the port, and the ports are what really need to be connected. So if you if you want to have a healthy national logistics system, if you want to have a digital logistics system, you got to make sure that the ports are 
digitally connected. And that's why I chose the phrase, can you hear me? As as part of it, it kind of making fun, if you will, of what we're going at. I mean, it's commonplace where you go to the port of Los Angeles, you're on the phone, and then your phone craps out. That that should not be happening in the 21st century. And when it comes to uh, knowing where your container is, what's the condition of the container? Um, is it off? Where is it within the nucleus? To really be 100% efficient. And this even goes with the 24-7 approach, right, that we've heard about the ports need to be 24-7. Yeah, every facet then within the flow of trade has to be 24-7. And so when we're looking at traceability, um, you know, during the research of our conversation, I've got some great uh, uh, graphics here for the audience. The first one is talking about that, you know, 65% of procurement leaders have limited or no visibility for their tier one suppliers. I mean, that is not, that should not be happening. And so, Andrew, Jack, let's bring it together here. Let's talk about this deep line of sight, how this is going to be connected, how you're going into the port of LA, the port of Oakland, you know, all these ports that you're working into. And let's tell us, bring us, bring it out in terms of this digital form of trade that we're going to be following. So the, the connectivity is the first piece, and then the next piece for us is using um, computer vision and edge technology that we partner with with companies like Intel on. So we're able to recognize and, and create data um, independently. So the example I think we talked about is when a, a container and a truck and a chassis leaves a terminal. How can you immediately digitally notify the BCO in Boise, Idaho? the freight forwarder in, in Newark, New Jersey, the customs broker in, in Wilmington, California, the insurance company that's insuring those goods, the port authority who's overseeing it, the distribution center in the 3PL who are doing that. So the, the simple events which are today either ignored, not reported, or rely on, a, on EDI, which is you know a terrific technology for 1970, is it, it doesn't fit in our new e-commerce world. And I think we've all in our industry experienced trying to explain to people how we can see our $6 dog bowl on Amazon be tracked to our door, but our half a million dollar container coming out of a port, we don't see for multiple days. And, and, and so the layer of that is, one is the connectivity and then two is us providing or building what we're doing with Jack is, effectively a neural network so it's compute and processing that's identifying those assets um, and then providing it to all of the different parties and into their applications and systems so that visibility isn't linear and reliant on just that that next tier down it, it's shared in real time with everyone and Gloriana, i think i think what's important is that you know, we as the port authority we as the governmental entity we're providing this as a utility. This is infrastructure for us. So we're agnostic as to a user's software, uh, the apps that they choose to use, the, the system that they choose to use to track their and trace their, their cargo. It's agnostic. It's, it's utility. So it's, it's the appropriate role, we think, for a governmental entity to play that of providing infrastructure. You know, one of the things we hear about time and time again, and Andrew, you're, you're, not, you're no stranger to this because you were influential with the, with the port optimizer, which a lot of people within our um, uh, FreightWaves community, you know, knows intimately. 
uh, we talk about data sharing. The one piece of data that is public that is crucial to data sharing is the number on the container. That is not proprietary, that everyone should be able to share that. Based on that and knowing then as well, once you have the other players, the warehouses, the truck chassis, where the heck are they? Um, the, where, where are they? Where are the operators? You know, do you have to get in and out of your, uh, out of your truck every time to get a connection? There, there's all these different things that, that really make up the efficiency model of, of trade. I mean, when you've got 60% of uh, CPOs saying that there's poor data quality, poor line of sight, in today's day and age, that should not be. Um, in terms of, Jack, in terms of looking at that real-time data, and I know that this is still be being built out, what, it, what are your customers saying within the nucleus in Utah? What are they looking for and how quickly are they able going to get it now versus this waiting game and the, you know, is my product, you know, out on the rail or truck? Yeah, I think, you know, I think you know, one of the things that we're hearing, and this was a frustration at, at, at seaports, but it's a frustration at, at the inland port as well, is that, you know, these areas are black holes. So they don't have access access to data. They can't know where their, their things are, even if they're getting the, the EDI feeds. It, that's that's not in real time. And that's not that. And, and by the time they get it, is it actionable? And so what uh, what what our customers are saying about this is that, you know, this solves a problem for them because it gives them data that is actionable. It's something they can do with. And it's not, no one has to share anything. Uh, you, you get the data that you sign up for, that you subscribe to, or that you, that you acquire. That is your data and you use it how you, how you care to use it. So it's not about any particular product or any particular, um, uh, method or methodology. It's simply about having that instantaneous access to that data because of the computing power that, that, that uh, Andrew's network uh, provides. That data is, it can be instantaneous. It can be, you know, your container left on this chassis being pulled by that truck and it turned left. And that was 30, 30 seconds ago or whatever. I mean, it's it, 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 the only, the only, uh, the only latency is in the speed of the process. You know, it's really amazing, Andrew, in terms of quantifying uh, time. I mean, time is money. That's what logistics is all about, right? And you also have to have the time to prepare. Um, from, from, you know, from, from your experience with everything that you've been doing, from Port Optimizer to other projects that you, you know, you've had a hand in, let's talk about the, how invaluable it is in terms of the no. So the it, my 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 long term background is a freight forwarder, and it, and our role in that industry is taking all these little pieces of information and rekeying them into systems. And so a lot of what we look about is in the partners and customers that we've talked to in in LA, but in, in Utah especially, is how can that information be recorded digitally once and then shared? So that takes away time from staff having to go into different systems, rekey, risk of error. Um, when you start to talk about 24-7, one of the projects we're doing in Utah is to automate truck parking. And so then all of a sudden that come, can become a 24-7 operation because there's, there's no need for staff at that gate. We can securely manage that. So I think one of the things that is 
important we talk about these simple events now, but this infrastructure that Jack's building and that we're building with him will run all the way through to autonomy. I mean, this is the same sort of 5G that people are talking about, um, but focused solely on supply chain and the compute to go with it. So this same level, while we're talking about simple identifying of containers, it's the same infrastructure that will scale up for autonomous equipment and autonomous vehicles. It's, it's, it's investing 15, 20 years into the future. And the, the time savings now, what we hope is that people will start to change processes because all of a sudden that four hours a day that they've got staff rekeying things in disappears so they can focus on, on, other, on other things and, and alternative fuels and more sustainable, efficient movement of goods. You know, Jack, we've talked about, you know, you've touched on the autonomous and one of the biggest things we've heard, uh, particularly when it comes to the West Coast and things like that is jobs. What, what, what's your message in terms of, in terms of the fear of like, oh my goodness, we go automated, we're going to lose jobs? Well, I would argue that, that what we'll, what we will have, as we do with most technological advancements, is actually better quality, higher paying jobs. Uh, I don't, you'll see a shift of the type of job over time. And, and so it's incumbent on us, we think also as the Port Authority, to, to work on those job training programs and those workforce development programs that actually are creating the jobs for the future. So that is, that, that's a big focus. And I think at the end of the day, we'll actually end up rising that economic, uh, that economic lift, uh, will, will ripple throughout the economy, uh, as we go forward. So. Those jobs in in in, in you know, being able to service these five G small cells and the and the edge computing devices that are out there, the the, the jobs to service electric powered vehicles and hydrogen fuel cell powered vehicles uh, that are running autonomously on on the, on the streets, um, the the jobs to 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 operate the the uh, automated uh, container yards and rail yards and those types of things and service those things and maintain those things. Or higher value, higher higher paid jobs than uh, than what we might see in, in today's economy. So it's it's playing it's laying the groundwork for that future economy and that future benefit that that ripples throughout our communities. You know, it, it, this whole discussion really has been about building up capacity. You know, the land capacity is it's pretty much just taken up, right? I mean, we're not in the Jetsons. We can't put stuff floating in the air. You know, when it comes to digital, digital capacity is is actually cheaper than physical capacity when it comes to roads and bridges and warehouses. You know, you look at the opportunity band and we've got this great graphic to show. And Andrew, you touched on, you know, 5G and everybody, you know, here's 5G. You know, when it comes to this mid-band spectrum, this is available to everybody. It's not just available to Utah or wherever what I, what the reason why I chose for our audience to listen to you is because the public private partnership is the wave of the future when it comes to building out infrastructure, building out capacity. Um, gentlemen, you know, we're wrapping this up here. We only have like five minutes left. It's just flown. Um, I would love for you guys to kind of, you know, talk about the need for capacity and how folks can look to Utah. Right. They can look to you guys as an example that what you're doing here, other people can follow suit. And connectively, because of this mid-opportunity band, we can get that line of sight and maybe perhaps someday down the line have that national infrastructure everybody's been talking about. 
Yeah, Lori, and I, I mean, I, I think you're exactly right. I think, you know, this is, this is just the next, uh, uh, you know, leg under the table of, of infrastructure. And it is, it creates, it, by utilizing this infrastructure, we're actually creating capacity in the system. That ability to be more fluid with our goods movement, uh, and be more, uh, be more rapid and be more, um, it adds capability and capacity in the system, but otherwise would require additional roads and additional rail and things like that. And we have some capacity in that infrastructure today. So being able to utilize it more efficiently and, and more effectively uh, adds a lot to the to the ability to move goods. And as we go into this future this future area of of zero emissions uh, uh, transport and and eventually automated and autonomous transport. Uh, it, it's going to be critical that we have this infrastructure in place and that we, and that we figure out how to use this. Yeah, like I, the congestion, I mean, I live in Los Angeles. I get to see the the, the parking lot of vessels, the, the pain to the economy. I'm not sure people understand how many tens of billions of dollars worth of goods are floating out there. The, and as you said, they're not building more land. So the only way to speed that process up, and, you know, there's not one party to blame. Right, it's not the warehouse operators, it's not the terminal operators, it's not the it's not the the longshoremen, it's not the shipping lines, not the BCOs. But what they need is a better system. They need an infrastructure that will allow these things to work and, and allow the rails to to run efficiently. And as a country, that's what we've traditionally done incredibly well. We we talk a lot about Utah and the Golden Spike, where the rail came together in the United States. And that changed the economy 150 years ago. We hope that this in Utah will be this digital spot. Is that how can we connect the West Coast ports to the rest of the country digitally? And so all of a sudden that, that fluidity and that flexibility um, and predictability can happen. And it has to happen in real time. And, it, you know, it can't rely and can't be held back on legacy systems of one or two parties. We have to create infrastructure that will enable the best of the best, but also protect the small one and one and two people, BCO or trucking company. And, and there's where, that's where government, this digital partnership comes in. There's a lot of excitement from great technology companies about using 5G and using Edge for this problem. This is what they're looking for. This is what they want to do. And Jacks and Utah are helping lead that. And we hope that some of the West Coast ports who are watching closely what we're doing and other ports around the world see this as a model to, to be able to create this infrastructure to move forward. Exactly. Well, gentlemen, I am so thankful that you were here with us. And, and honestly, when it comes to ocean waves, when it comes to this segment, we need to democratize trade. And democratizing trade is breaking down barriers and digitalization and the connectivity for the public information, right? The container numbers and things like that. Those are all answers. And if anybody in the world wants to make money, it's in everyone's best interest in order to share. And so Jack and Andrew, I am so thankful that you were here with me today and back to you.